FBSC Finance brings you 30 Minutes in Finance, your weekly finance-related podcast. I'm your host, David Garbett. Now on with the podcast. Hi, Andy, and thanks for coming on this morning. I hope you're, you're all right. Yeah, well, I'm great, thank you. I do appreciate uh, the invitation. I'm uh, really pleased to be here today. Brilliant. Um, I think for everybody listening, um, could you just give us a, a quick introduction about yourself um, and what you do and, and who you work for? Yeah, so Andy Perslove, uh, mortgage broker intermediary working for Waystone Financial. Uh, we're actually based in Andover in Hampshire. Uh, we've got three mortgage brokers uh, working for us, um, and then we've got one specialist protection advisor. Um, but we're based um, from generally working from home um, in the Hampshire area. But we actually have clients all over the UK. Brilliant. All right. And in terms of your actual day to day job, can you just give us a, a, a sort of brief overview of what exactly? Uh, yeah. So day to day job. Yeah. So my role is effectively to um, look after clients who are looking at um, either as first time buyers, um, looking for mortgages, um, people that are remortgaging or raising additional finance on their properties. So that's generally residential clients. Uh, and then we also have um, uh, probably about a third of our business is buy to let clients, either again, remortgaging um, clients that are increasing their portfolio. Um, or looking at raising additional finance um, potentially for uh, further capital investments and um, uh, development, for example. Okay, brilliant. And is Waystone a FCA regulated firm? Yes, we are. Um, so we can actually be found on the FCA um, site. Um, so each of us has to be um, have our full CMAP. Um, for mortgages, the protection advisor just has to be um, assessed for general compliance. Uh, the way that we actually work is we're part of a network. So the network is the right mortgage network. Um, so what they do is uh, we pay them a fee. They look after all the general compliance. We tend to find that having in-house compliance working directly with the FCA um, can be quite time consuming and costly. Uh, so the way we've the business has been set up um, is that we're actually linked with a network um, and that's generally through the Legal and General Mortgage Club. Okay, brilliant. And, and just going back to the CMAP question, um, in terms of education wise and in order to do what you do, is that all that's required? And um, how did you find that? Because I know we've, we've both got one of those. Yes. Yeah, so um, well, I started off, um, I've been in the financial industry uh, about 13, 14 years now. I originally started in the financial industry uh, uh, with, um, uh, with one of the large retail banks, um, left that uh, bank and joined Barclays as a business manager. Um, that role entailed just generally looking after new startups and uh, business finance for uh, sm generally small um and small enterprises um and then i got the uh i did that for just over three years and then i kind of got headhunted within barclays to uh, become a mortgage advisor um i, I didn't actually have any um, specific mortgage qualifications um at the time um, but they said that we would actually pay for the qualification and that entailed um uh, just reading up everything to do with the regulatory side of things and taking mock tests to try to get used to it. I think it helped because I had a lot of background experience in the financial industry that the qualification I found fairly straightforward and fairly easy. Um, I managed to pass it all first time. Uh, I mean, going back to being as a business manager, I did get my certificate of business banking and conducts um, when I was actually working for the bank. 
and um, it then kind of moved on to uh, getting my CMAP. So we had to have stage one or part one of your CMAP to start the actual formal training within Barclays, which is uh, around, it's about a, a week's residential course and in-house training. Um, once I actually passed that side of things, uh, we, I then took parts two and three of my CMAP. And I, I just found it easier to do over two days because it's um, quite a full-on exam. So I did one on a Tuesday, one on a Wednesday and passed my full CMAP. Um, the next step within the bank is passing a certain number of cases um, being monitored um, quite a bit internally and having your cases assessed. Um, and then uh, I was actually signed off as um, compliant. Oh, nice. So and in terms of from start to finish of that, can you give us a rough sort of estimate? Was that in kind of over a few months, all those test cases and trial uh, cases? I mean, within or... a couple of months. Um, I went when I actually, yeah. To, yeah, I, I passed my CMAP one within about five weeks. I decided to um, try to move things through as quickly as possible. Um, I had the option where I could actually, I mean, Barclay said, well, you can actually do this from home if you want to. Um, but also I had to make sure I passed the CMAP within a certain amount of time. Otherwise, I'd have been taken off the course. So I'll treat it as a day-to-day -day no job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a fair bit of pressure, a lot of reading material to go through. I thought everybody else that's done their CMAP uh, would certainly find that. But within about five weeks, I passed my CMAP one then took the residential courses, I would say end to end, probably about 10 weeks to get through it all. Um, I mean, there may be other people out there that have done it a little bit quicker, um, but there was a certain step process within the um, within the bank being highly regulated that we had to actually go through. But uh, I'm glad I did that. And that's probably going back around about seven or eight years now that I did my um, CMAP. Right. And do you have to do any sort of refresher training every now and then or or sort of the keeping up to date with bits and pieces? Yeah, I think um, I think most people would uh, refer to their CPD. Um, so effectively, that means that you've got to do 35 hours of on the job training each year that's recorded. That can either be uh, reading material, um, general meetings that are uh, with with different lenders. Um, you also then you have your um, compliance tests that you have to take on an annual basis. So they'll generally be. Um, a mortgage and fraud test there'll be a um, protection and general insurance uh, mortgage tests as well um, and it's also crime and money laundering um, tests that you have to actually apply okay brilliant and just going uh, on a way... basis uh, plus any of the cases that you do for mortgages sorry yeah no I, I was just going way back in terms of obviously before um, you started even at the bank what were you always into finance or is, is this something that you sort of started um no it's um yes um effectively um when i left school um my dad was a printer um and i just it's one of those sort of things the printing industry everybody else has been in the printing industry uh, it kind of follows in the family so his father was in printing he then um my dad father became a printer um, and then i was kind of introduced it as an apprentice so uh just a couple of weeks before my 16th birthday, I started a printing company um, in Borden, Hampshire, and I was there actually for 17 years. Um, then the industry kind of deteriorate or there's you know, generally if there's a recession, people don't spend as much money on print. But I decided at the age of 34 at the time that I needed to move on um, because this that was a good time to think, right, I need to uh, do something else. And if I don't do it, then it's going to be a lot much, much more um, difficult for me to change industry. So I decided to go into finance. I did an, um, an HNC in business, uh, two year course um, at South Downs College in Hampshire, uh, passed that with distinction. Um, and whilst I was actually doing that course, I was actually getting some retail experience by working um, for a company called Bose, uh, do home theatre, home entertainment, speaker and headphones. Um, in Gunwolf Keys in, in Portsmouth 
to get my retail experience, presentation experience, because we had to do lots of demonstrations as well. Um, and I left there to go straight into a, a retail bank um, on, the, on the main high street to get my initial finance experience. So that, that was my initial goal early on. Uh, so qualification wise, yes, I did have a, an HNC in business, which I think helped get my job job role within um, Lloyd's Bank at the time, which is a retail bank, um, and then moved on from there. In terms of the when you were at the, the Bose shop, um, did you find that that sort of sales experience, has that sort of transferred over? And would you say in your kind of current role, is it a sales job, would you say? Or or how would you describe it? Yeah, I it? think it's enormously. Um, I, it, what it did teach me, we had a scripted presentation. Um, we generally had to do a theatre show, which is a full scripted presentation for around about 45 minutes so it's quite a full-on presentation or up to 45 minutes um, but it's just general getting experience face-to-face -face customer experience I went from the printing industry where I was just working with colleagues within the, the print company uh, not seeing anybody uh, any clients or customers face-to-face -face, um, to actually you know presenting yourself um, and effectively selling you are selling and presenting the products themselves I mean I did find that it did help the, the products kind of sold themselves anyway but to um, get to that next level, you had to be a good um, salesperson. And the whole time I was there, year in, year out, I was the top sales rep um, or sales advisor within the Bose store and got um, nationally recognized for that as well on a number of occasions. Uh, and I think that that skill or that training helped me to then move into the finance industry. Um, and then working for a retail bank, if uh, most people know from around about 2007 onwards, was very much a sales process. Um, so you were selling constantly. Um, and I think everybody knows um, how that went for some of the banks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, and, and now obviously, how sort of regulated and how sort of careful do you need to be uh, sort of in your, your normal day to day job? Yeah, so extremely careful. Uh, we have a, a set process. Um, I mean, there are some things around that process that you can sort of uh, amend based on whoever you're speaking to. So, uh, you know, some first time buyers have got no knowledge about how a mortgage works. So we'll, we'll go into a lot more in depth and make, you know, generally few assumptions. I mean, if someone's remortgaging, they probably know a bit more about mortgages, but very importantly, we have a process where uh, we'll have the initial conversation. Um, so effectively a lead comes in, a client will make contact with the sales. We need, you know, first time buy, we'll want to get on the housing ladder, have the initial conversation, and then we'll, we'll follow that up with um, sending over things like our terms of business. There'll be a list of um, uh, documents we'd require from that client. And then we'll follow up that for a more formal uh, mortgage appointment to run through what they're actually looking to do um, and making sure that they understand our terms of business. So we'll have a, everything is outlined. So with the way the regulations work now, we've got to be very, very clear and precise about the fees. All our calls are recorded for training monitoring purposes, not only to protect ourselves, but also um, protect the client um, and making sure that the anybody that's taking on a mortgage will right at the very start before they enter into any contract not only with ourselves but with the mortgage lender they'll know exactly what the fees and costs are and they're very very clearly laid out um, and we probably go over that a number of times depending on the understanding of the uh, client but if it's a joint mortgage we're also making sure that both clients are present um, at the uh, main in, main meetings as well okay perfect and and when it comes to those clients um do you deal with any sort of particular type of client more often? And is it sort of geographically based as in, or is it mostly local to you or? Yeah. I mean, because of our presence in and 
Andover. If anybody uh, lives in the Andover area, if they do any search for a mortgage advisor, we come up as number one um, on any Google searches. Um, quite a great, good presence now on Facebook. We've had a revamp in the last three or four months on our um, not only our website, but also on the Facebook presence as well. And it is making um, uh, a big difference. We're going to let more traction now. I would probably say going back about six months to a year ago, we were having a lot more people that were first time buyers or moving house and purchasing. Um, in the last three or four months, I think, as everybody knows, with the uh, message out there about interest rates going up, we're having a lot more inquiries now in the way of remortgages. Um, we've also had a, a really big surge now in people um, consolidating um, debts and borrowing. Um, I, you know, I, I hadn't done any consolidation mortgages or debt for uh, two or three months. And then within the space of about four weeks, I've had about eight cases. So that's a real big uptick. So whether that's a move, move now with... Um, the current climate it's difficult to tell but i think the numbers of that type of business that are coming through um certainly say it all to be honest when it you mentioned the interest rates there how are they sort of impacting and how do you think they're going to impact things going forward and are we expecting any more rises do you think i think i think we are um uh, we, we I, I generally follow the financial press anyway but generally a lot of people will come to us and say oh actually i've you know the interest rates are going to go up I'll, i need to do my mortgage now because um, so i hear the interest rates are going to go up in a couple of days generally the lenders have already made that decision um they they're already ahead of the curve um when last month when or earlier this month when the um interest rates increased by half a percentage point, which is the highest um, increase in uh, an obviously number of years now. Um, the interest rates had already been increased by pretty much all the lenders across the board. So around about a week to two weeks before that interest rate move um, occurred, the lenders had already increased their rates. Uh, I think the rates are going to keep increasing. That's the general impression that I personally get. Uh, we've got to be very careful how we indicate that to clients because it's really a case of they have to make that decision. We can't influence um, you know, a client's decision-making process on what may or may not happen with interest rates. We'll kind of let them know, you know where do you want to be, uh, what would happen should interest rates rise. Generally, pretty much everybody, it's very rare that I'll do a, a variable rate mortgage. Uh, we're doing a number of variable rate mortgages um, or tracker mortgages last year. Now, pretty much everybody that I speak to wants to know exactly what they're paying for uh, the next two, three and five years. I'm probably doing more five year fixes now than I've ever done before. Um, generally, people want to know where they are and be able to budget for that period of time. Um, but as you say, interest rates going forward, uh, my belief at the moment is they're penciling in a, a half a percentage point increase um, in September. Um, that could well push the average five-year fixed rate to um, in excess of 4%, uh, which will have a big impact, bearing in mind that the average interest rate for around about a 75% or 60% loan to value October, November last year was around 1%. So there were some 0.99 rates and 1.04s around that time. I think we're now looking at um, interest rates being four fourfold now in the next uh, the next few weeks. Wow. Yep. That is. I need to sort mine out as well um, at some <laughs> point. But yeah. So in terms of obviously the general economy and in particular the sort of housing stock, how do you do you think that's going to have an impact? Because obviously at the moment it's pretty hot um do you think that's gonna help cool it down rapidly or, or any sort of views on that at all yeah i think there is that strong yeah i think there's a strong possibility that the housing market is start indication indicate a little bit of cooling now um uh, 
I've still got clients that are having to outbid other people. But going back six, seven, eight months ago, I had people pay, overpaying 10, 15, 20,000 uh, pounds to secure a property. People were being gazumped. Uh, it was going to full, full and final offers with the estate agents. The estate agents were playing people off against each other. Um, I've known of um, situations even for clients selling. Um, I had one of my clients that had um, 35 viewings on their property and they, they actually did open days over a period of the weekend. And then it was going to full and final offers the following week. Uh, my client was selling for a property for, say, I think it was around about £240,000. They got £20,000 over the asking price. Um, the, the the risk is that the lenders have also got to agree to that valuation, um, if, especially if you've got a small deposit. If you're putting down a 5% deposit and the lender um, deems the property only to be worth 240, not the 260,000 they're paying, they're going to have to find that extra money. So there is that um, kind of uh, awareness that I make clients, um, uh, you know, bring that to their attention. Uh, but yeah, I think things are starting to calm down a bit more. I've got clients now possibly overpaying a few thousand pounds um, to secure it. Uh, there are probably less people fighting over those individual properties uh, or competing for those properties in the area that we generally work around in the sort of Hampshire um, and South Coast area. Um, but I think with the interest rate rises that have been occurring, I think that will be the tipping point. And we can't forget about the uh, cost of living increase, you know, energy bills going up, inflation of the way it is. Um, I think inevitably um, things have got to hit, um, uh, you know, hit the buffers at some point. You can't have the housing market keep increasing when interest rates are going up that much. But I, we cannot forget at the moment there is a shortage of um, suitable housing stock out there. Do you do any development finance? Uh, not so much ourselves, um, because of that's generally a more unregulated um, type of um, uh, type part, part of our sort of business. We generally will actually um, effectively farm that out, or we will do a handover or an introduction to the specialists in that area. So we would typically look after the regulated business side of things, and then we've got um, preferred introducers um, or people or finance um, companies that we'll, we would actually hand that over to um, who are able to um, find those um, that type of finance. I think if we had a lot more of that business coming through our door, then we may look at taking some of that in-house. But um, I think with uh, a lot of companies, if you're not getting an awful lot of that business, you would probably ha do a handover to that. And the same with, you know, on, on that type of thing, with things like equity release, we would ten tend to hand it over to a equity release um, specialist. So we know what to keep in-house, and then we also know what, we, what our speciality, specialisms are. Uh, we're happy to hand that over to another specialist who can actually look after our client better yeah. um, in that type of uh, business. So with development finance, we'll hand that over. Perfect. And in terms of deals, have you noticed lately with any lenders or, or any sort of particular um, types of deals that you used to be able to place quite easily and now that you might be struggling with um, or is the sort of appetite from the lenders pretty much the same? Um, yeah, I, actually, to be honest, it, it is. I haven't really noticed any changes um, earlier on. Uh, well, going probably a few months ago, I did start to see. I mean, generally, a lot of our clients want to borrow as much as they possibly can. Um, some of the uh, lenders have amended the uh, their stress tests. I mean, that is effectively um, linked to the ONS or Office of National Statistics uh, data. So, in the background, there is going to be a general cost of living. So that will normally encompass things like energy prices 
council tax um, and day-to-day living costs, um, you know, costs uh, such as food expenses um, and having children, for example. Um, there were a few tweaks, uh, but generally across the board at the moment, not a, not a big dip. I mean, as an example, I've got a client that I've submitted a mortgage case for this week. Um, probably about two months ago, they could borrow 400,000. Um, this week, they could only borrow 390,000 with the same lender. Um, I think that ten thousand pound or two and effectively a two and a half percent drop is is minimal, uh, to be quite honest. So I don't think it really affected the lenders' appetites. I'd expected more of a, a decrease in their appetite, but that doesn't seem to be occurring at the moment. But as you say, interest rates have gone up quite significantly. That particular client I was dealing with uh, three or four months ago, and we were looking at two and a quarter, two and a half percent. I've submitted that mortgage application this week. Uh, they weren't in a position to proceed before that, and we had an interest rate of three point five nine, so in excess of one percent extra. On on a near near four hundred thousand pound mortgage, that's a lot of money. Where do you see it stopping, or, or do you not want to give that sort of prediction at the moment? Uh, you, I, I couldn't have predicted the rates around three and a half percent a year ago. Um, I, I think a lot of people were. I mean, I, I had people. We were doing some adverse um, uh, you know, loans at the time, uh, were slightly adverse, and we were looking at uh, near, approaching three percent. And people at the time, because they were looking at rates of just over one percent, one and a half percent, thought they were crazy. They would only fix for two years because they thought, you know, a two point seven four percent rate, for example, uh, was uh, a crazy rate to be paying is ridiculous you know and thought you know if they only fix for two years they can probably get around one and a half percent in two years time um i think with the current rates at the moment um they're going to be quite shocked um that they're going to be paying one percent more at least than they secured for on the previous adverse rates those adverse rates now are closing in on the six percent mark so uh, and these are people with maybe one ccj maybe the odd default um but yeah we've got rates around that kind of level um i've got another client at the moment with uh with, with a lender called bluestone they're going to be going onto the variable rate with bluestone at 7.79 um unless we can find a, another deal for them uh, a slightly more attractive so there are some much much higher rates out there at the moment oh yeah that that is a serious increase um and moving on sort of now looking sort of forward for you um and your your business what do you think are the sort of next steps and are you guys i know you said depending on the sort of business that you get you might look to take on people um is there any sort of particular area that you're focusing to expand into or, or to grow Yes, um, I think I think a lot more of our business. I mean, I've been, I, you know, I, I regularly talk to the uh, director of the company here at Waystone, um, pretty much on a daily or bi-daily basis. Um, and then it's really a case of, I mean, I, I was saying six months to a year ago that I think we need to, you know, get our website up up to date a bit more and grow, expand the business in the way of remortgages. Because uh, I think if you're kind of focus on most of your business being uh, for people buying new buying properties, either new properties or moving house. Um, if the market slows down, uh, that's a big part of your business that's going to actually um, come to the crunch point. So um, a lot more of our business I can see is being remortgages. I see as people raising additional finance um, in the market. So whereas I would say a big part of our business, even at some points, were 60, 70 percent people moving house and first time buyers. Uh, we're seeing that now change to, uh, I, I would say, the other way around. It's more 60 percent remortgages and 40 percent people moving house and um, first time buyers. So that's a, it's a big switch. And that's happened over the period of around about three months. As a, a business, do you use a lot of bridging funding at all or is it more uh, sort of just regular term finance? 
regular term finance for ourselves, um, again, with the bridging finance, although we have the capabilities to um, do that directly with some of the lenders that we have access to on a on a regulated basis, we can only do bridging finance on a on a on a on a, on a residential side uh, because it, we can only do it as, as regulated um, anything unregulated. We've got. Uh, again, people like the development finance, we would actually hand that off to um, who have access to a greater number of lenders uh, with the network that we're under. Although we've got pretty much the whole of the market access, there are uh, one or two specialist lenders that we can only do um, raise the finance or hand over to um, through packages, for example. And some lenders out there will, will only deal directly with packages. Um, for example, together finance, uh, they will only go through um, particular packages. Yeah, because we, we noticed that. And do you think most of the lending bar places like Together that were quite open, um, have they gone back to normal post-pandemic sort of levels? Uh, as far as I'm aware, they're, 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 I would say probably yes. Um, I mean, with the, the pandemic, I, I think it just put, put a pause on the market for a short while. I think there was a period everybody knows if they're in the ring, in the um uh, mortgage side of things that things kind of shut down for three months but after that uh, more lenders out there are doing uh, desktop or remote evaluations now uh, especially if the loan to value is pretty good uh, they will do a lot more of that I think it's uh, not only is it time saving but also saves a lot of money um, you know doing a physical valuation or physically visiting a property is going to take up is going to be far more costly um, but yeah I, I would say a lot of lenders out there have got certainly uh, they're doing a lot more business than they were probably pre-pandemic it's really is a hot still a hot market at the moment um, whether that continues I think that's going to be the market will kind of dictate itself um, and I think the the costs of financing and interest rates are going to be uh, they're going to kind of dictate the market going forward. No, that's perfect. And I think um, looking at the, the time, Andy, I don't want to keep you much longer, um, but do you want to shout out anything in particular? Obviously, feel free to advertise or <laughs> tell people where <laughs> they can find you um, in order to obviously if they are looking for a, a mortgage or, or refinance or, or anything like that. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we're, I say we're predominantly, uh, the company's actually based in, in um, Andover in Hampshire. Uh, you can actually find us at waystone.co.uk. Uh, please, you know, go onto our Facebook page or our actual website to look at what we can actually offer. Um, they can contact myself directly, um, andy at waystone.co.uk. Uh, but yeah, we're there. Uh, we pride ourselves on the feedback and the way we look after our clients. Um, testimonials from our clients, um, I think, probably say it all um we do charge a fee uh for uh the work that we actually for the work we place with our clients but i think i think when people know the impact we can have and the hands-on approach that we um, offer our clients um, especially around first-time buyers or more complex financing um i think it um, certainly pays for itself um, I mean, the way we also work is we can, uh, we've got clients that don't know where to start with the way of conveyances. We've got a panel of conveyances that we'll use. Uh, we've got also a panel of surveyors as well. So if they have to do a specialist private um, RICS report, damp report, um, uh, full structural survey or a home buyer's report, we can also place those with um, specialists as well who can contact our clients um, directly. So it's a whole suite of services. So literally from uh, initially someone as maybe as a first time buyer wanting to get it on the housing ladder and don't know where to start, um, we can offer the full package of services right across the board um, from providing the mortgage, the conveyancing, the surveys. Uh, and then very importantly, I think people shouldn't be forgetting about the 
general insurance and the protection side of things. So life insurance, income protection, um, and uh, critical illness cover, um, as well as personal injury cover. Um, we've even got um, people that we can actually hand over to personal health insurance as well for medical treatment. So yeah, right across the board, we can help people. Um, you know, if anybody out there, here's our name, uh, interested to see what we can offer, please by all means get in touch. Brilliant. That was a, one of the best plugs I've ever seen. So thank you for that, Andy. And obviously it, what we'll do is this will go up uh, live on LinkedIn, YouTube, um, and all the normal sort of podcast places that you can find. So uh, do get in touch and I can introduce you to Andy if you need. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for your time, Andy. Appreciate it. Um, and obviously, hopefully we'll get you back on uh, at some point in the future. Anytime. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting us on today, uh, David. It's been a pleasure to speak to you today. And uh, yeah, big shout out to everyone else. And uh, yeah, let's look forward to uh, the rest of the year. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Andy.